0: Take your Bibles, if you will, to the book of 2 Kings, 2 Kings chapter number 11 this morning, 2 Kings chapter number 11, thank you for the uh, good music, thank you for the special, and uh, 2 Kings chapter number 11 this morning, um, if you will, if you'll turn me up a little bit or at least get me in the monitors, that would be uh, great. Uh, there we go, Second Kings chapter number 11, and uh, today we are continuing our series of messages. This is actually the last message um, in uh, a series of messages called Awakening, Revival is Here. And uh, if you're visiting with us this morning, I, I want to thank you for coming, and uh, I-, I pray that uh, the message today will be a blessing to you, but I want you to know that that during these messages, I'm... My focus is on the church, and our church in particular, as uh, we begin this year and we begin strong. Uh, Next Sunday, we begin our very first uh, uh, large Sunday, if I could use that term, uh, of the year with our Super Bowl of Friends Sunday. We're praying that God will do great things as we invite our friends and our family uh, to come and be a part of our church on that day. Uh, We're looking forward to an exciting day uh, and, and a lot of different things happening But obviously the ultimate goal being that the gospel is shared and the gospel is given and that Jesus Christ is lifted up because the Bible says if I be lifted up talking about Jesus, I would draw all men unto me. And uh, that is what our goal here at North Point Baptist Church is, is to draw people to Jesus. I don't want to draw people to this building. I don't want to draw people to me. I don't want to draw people to you. I want to draw people to Jesus. You see, I, I, wanna, I, wanna, I, wanna, I want people to see Calvary. I, wanna see, I want people to see that there is hope. I want people to see that, that there, there is still the blood of Jesus Christ alive and well today. And I want to introduce them to the best friend that they could ever have, which is Jesus. But the only way that's going to happen, the only way that, that uh, people are going to come, the only way that they're going to get assimilated into North Point Baptist Church is that if we as a church... Uh, are excited. We as a church are awakened. We are preparing ourselves for revival. Our theme for this year, as I shared with you a few weeks ago, uh, months ago at this point, is reach. Reaching out and uh, uh, sharing and, and, and allowing our church to be a lighthouse in this community. And that's my goal. This morning, of all the messages that I've preached to you this morning, this is the one um, that to be honest with you and, and to be truthful with you and to be uh, right up front with you is probably the most difficult. And honestly, uh, this morning in particular, it seems like that the enemy is doing his best to defeat me, but I'm not going to let him. And I, I, want you to be, I want you to walk into this sermon and this idea and, and our thoughts today with a very open mind. I don't want you to get upset, I don't want you to get mad, I don't want you to, to feel like that, that I'm trying to stuff on your toes or whatever uh, uh, the analogies are used. I just want you to have an open heart and open ears to what God would have for you this morning. We've talked about the first Sunday that we dealt with this, we talked about breaking down, the, breaking up the fallow, fallow ground. And we, we looked at our passage of scripture there, and, and we looked at, at the story. And then last week, we studied the book of Habakkuk, and we looked at how revival was here and how that we needed to get a hold of it. Today, I, I, I'm going to take all of that, and with God's help, we're going to culminate it down and make it as personal as it can possibly be. I've never in my life, and I mean this with all my heart, preached a more personal message, a message that began with me. A message that began with my heart. And now I feel that the, God, that the Lord wants me to share it with you. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 55, as this has been our launching passage Seek ye the Lord while he may be what? Found. Call ye upon him while he is what? Near. near. Call upon him while he, is, while he may be found. Seek him while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way. Now, I want to, I want to, we, we've looked at that in the context of lost people today. I want to look at it in the context of us. You say, Pastor, how can, how, how can you, you look at this thought and say, let the wicked and talk about us. The Bible says, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his what? Thoughts. And let him return. This is important because if you were never the Lord's, you can't return to him. Are you with me? Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord. Why? Because he will have mercy upon him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. He will abundantly pardon. The greatest need of this hour is revival. In order for revival to revolutionize our nation, it first has to rekindle our heart's from the inside out, and we've talked about that. We've talked about the rekindling. We've talked about the, the 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 rekindling in our hearts and in our minds, and the process of making that happen. Well, today it's time to make a decision. It's time to decide whether or not, truly, in our own lives. That we are who we are, who we say we are. That we are going to be people that that are committed to Christ. That we are going to be people that are fully sold out to God. Or are we just going to be a people that is status quo, that's happy with where we're at. Listen to me this morning. I want you to know that stale water stinks. Are you with me? But a place that's moving, a place that has life, is not only smells good. But it's exciting people flood to it people want to be a part of it people want to see what's going on i read a story one time about a man that was in new york city and he said that he was standing right in front of the big jumbotron there in new york city and he said he just looked up in the air and he stood there for about five minutes before he knew it there was a lady standing beside him looking up in the air also and then before he knew it, there was somebody else looking up in the air and somebody else looking up in the air. Somebody else looking in the air. And finally, they said that literally all of the area, everybody was looking up in the air. And finally, one person said, what are we looking at? <laughs> and the other one turned to him and said, I have no idea, but he started it. <laughs> Listen to me. That's the same way that excitement will grow within the church. Is that all of a sudden there's somebody that has a fire, somebody that has a desire, that somebody's going to latch on to that and they're going to say, hey, what is it that you have? I want to be a part of that. But it does not start until we decide that we are going to rekindle our hearts and our passion for Christ. Today, I want us to focus on a very interesting passage of scripture that truly can revolutionize your life if we will allow it to penetrate our hearts. In 2 Kings chapter number 11, verses 1 through 16, the seventh king of Judah is being overthrown and Joash, as is how it's pronounced, is taking over the kingdom. The nation of Judah was in desperate, desperate need of a good reigning king due to all the wickedness of the previous kings. And that takes us to our passage this morning. If you have your Bibles, if you'll stand with me, 2 Kings chapter number 11, 2 Kings chapter number 11, we're going to start reading in verse number 17. And we're going to read all the way down to chapter 12, verse number 3. It's not my uh, typical uh, MO to spend this much time on an opening passage of Scripture, but I think it's important for context's sake. Chapter number 11, verse number 17. The Bible says, "...and Jehoiada made a covenant between the Lord and the King and the people that they should be the Lord's people between the King also and the people." And all the people of the land went into the house of Baal and break it down, his altars and his images, break them in pieces thoroughly, and slew Mattan the priest of Baal before the altars. And the priest appointed officers over the house of the Lord, and he took the rulers over hundreds and the captains and the guard and all the people of the land, and they brought down the king from the house of the Lord and came by the way of the gate of the guard to the king's house, and he sat on the throne of the kings. I'm in verse number 20. And all the people of the land rejoiced, and the city was in quiet. And they slew Athaliah with a sword beside the king's house. Seven years old was Joash when he began to reign. Chapter 12 and verse number 1. In the seventh year of Jehu, uh, Joash began to reign. And 40 years reigned he in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Zibiah of Beersheba. Here it is. And Joash did that... Which was right in the sight of the Lord all his days, wherein Jehoiada, the priest, instructed him. Verse number three. But the high places were not taken away. The people still sacrificed and burnt incense in the high places. Our Father in heaven, Lord, I pray that you'll bless the reading of your word. Lord, I pray that you'll bless the few moments that we have together. Lord, my prayer this morning, more than ever, is you'll take the thoughts that are in my mind and the thoughts that you've penetrated into my heart and, Lord, be able to relay them in such a way that everyone in this room will be able to understand, we will have a clear path of knowledge, and, Lord, most of all, that the Holy Spirit of God will begin to work in our hearts and our lives like he never has before. Lord, we love you. But most of all, we thank you for loving us, for it's in your precious and holy son's name we pray, amen. Thank you, you may be seated. Verse number three in chapter number 12, the Bible says, but the high places were not taken away, and the people still sacrificed and burnt incense in the high places. Today I want to speak to you on the subject of breaking down the high places breaking down the high places. If you're in the habit of taking notes uh, on the back of your bulletin there's an outline if you wish to follow along everything will be on the screen uh, for you. The southern kingdom of Judah was worshiping idols and instead of making a blood sacrifice as they were taught they were burning incense. In our passage of scripture that we read this is referred to as high places. These people were, were, were literally defying God's method God told them from the very beginning if you remember with Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel God told them that the only sacrifice that's acceptable is the blood sacrifice and here in the southern kingdom of Judah we have the people they have decided that they are not going to give a blood sacrifice but in return they are going to offer up incense because they thought that's what was more acceptable or they thought that that was the way to do it but the honest truth is is what they were doing was that they were trying to find a different way to God that is not something new they were trying to find a different way to worship God they were trying to find uh, uh, something that was more acceptable something that society said is okay something that made them feel a little better something that smelt a little better something that didn't require blood something other than the way that god designed it and because they did that they set up these high places in their lives and that is what replaced God, Can I tell you something this morning, church, that I'm very afraid of? I'm very afraid that in our society and in our, our culture that we have set up high places, things that, that look better, that feel better, that seem better, that are taking the place of God and they are high places in our life and God is begging of us to break them down, to remove them because they're causing enmity between Him and us. They're ca- it's causing problems. You say, Pastor, it looks good it, it, it was it was I was a sacrifice it was an altar everything was in order can I tell you this morning that it doesn't matter how it looks what matters is what God requires There were high places they, they 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 put them up they literally were putting them in front of God in 2nd Kings chapter 12 and verse number two tells us Joash did that, this is, this is so important, such a pivotal verse, did that which was right in the sight of the Lord all the days that Jehoiada the priest had instructed him. All the days that Jehoiada the priest had instructed him. Now, just bear with me for a moment. For context's sake, I want to share with you three verses out of the book of Chronicles that, that kind of sum this up for us. Uh, uh, this is a prominent statement because once Jehoiada dies, this all changes. Second Chronicles chapter number 27, the Bible says, Now after the death of Jehoiada came the princess of Judah and made obeisance to the king. In other words, they called upon the king. Then the king hearkened unto them. Who's the king? The king is Joash. And they left the house of the Lord God of their fathers, and they served groves, and they served idols, and wrath came upon Judah and Jerusalem for this their trespass. Verse number 19. Yet he sent prophets to them to bring them again unto the Lord, and they testified against them, but they would not give ear. Listen to me, church. This is the wherein lies many problems in our lives. Many of you sitting under my preaching have sat under many different pastors. You've sat under many different men of God that you've looked up to. And, and you've lived your life and, 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 and you hear them preach. And, and, and instead of going home and, and really researching the word of God and making it applicable to you. You take what the pastor has to say and you say well as long as the pastor's around that's the way we're going to do it. As long as, as long as this person's in my life, that's the way I'm going to do it. Young people, as long as my parents are around, this is the way I have to do it. But can I tell you that the moment that the influence leaves, the moment that something happens and changes in our life, if we do not personally have convictions, if we don't personally have doctrine rooted down inside of us, it's all going to be worth nothing in our lives. Listen to me, church, we have to know why we believe what we believe, not what the church believes, not what the pastor believes, but what do I believe? Because I'm telling you, tomorrow I could get in my car, drive down the bypass and be killed and somebody else without a beating of a heart would just walk right into this place and take it back up. But if you're following me, you've got a serious problem. Stop following men. Put your eyes on God. Listen, they were, they were following the priest. They were, they were, jo- uh, Joash was doing what the priest said all of the priest days. And then the God took the priest home and what happened? They began to serve the idols in the high places again. We see in this passage that Joash did not have any personal convictions. Once his mentor dies, he loses all that he had in the way of godly conviction. In other words, his convictions were based upon someone else. I want you to notice back. In 2 Kings chapter number 12 and verse number 3, the one thing that Joash did not do that set him back as the king, Joash never broke down the high places. He never got rid of them. He did not necessarily go to them. He didn't necessarily go and offer up the incense, but he never destroyed them. As a matter of fact, Biblical history tells us that there are only two kings mentioned in all the nation that actually destroyed and removed the high places in their reigns. And because of it, they had much success. First was King Hezekiah. The Bible says in 2 Kings chapter number 18, he removed the high places and broke the images and cut down the groves and broke in pieces the brazen serpent that Moses had made. For unto those days, the children of Israel did burn incense to it, and he called it Neheshton. The other one was King Josiah. He brought all the priests out of the city of Judah and defied the high places where the priests had burned incense. From Geba to Beersheba, break down the high places of the gates that were in the entering of the gate of Joshua, the governor of the city, which were in man's left hand at the gate of the city. Only two kings broke them down. I've given you the background of this passage of Scripture. Now let it see the spiritual application in our own lives. And I promise you this morning, There he goes. Can you hear me now? All right, good. Can you click that next slide for me? All right. Number one, why is it so important to break down these high places? Why is it so important to break down these high places? I want you to know this morning that it is very important that we break down the high places in our life. It's very important that we do not allow the enemy to have victory in our lives. Why? First of all, because it is possible to break them down. It is possible to break down the high places in our life. Many of us are faced with sin. Many of us are faced with things in our life that that discourage us because they're sin. They discourage us because, because we want to have victory over this in our lives. We want to see it happen. And then we look at it and we continue ourselves in the sin and in, this, in our lives and we think to ourselves, is it really possible? Is it really possible to overcome it? I want to tell you this morning, based upon the word of God, that it is possible to break them down. The Bible says in 2 Kings chapter 18 and verse number 4, he removed the high places. He broke the images. He cut down the grove. He break in pieces the brazen serpent that Moses had made. For unto these days the children of Israel did burn incense to it, and he called it Nahushton. I want you to see that this passage of Scripture, of course, is speaking of King Hezekiah. We remember that Moses, he lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. Remember that story? The Bible says that Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, and and, and the people looked upon it, and they were saved from all the serpents that were biting them and trying to kill them. And they looked up to the serpent and they were saying, and the Bible tells us in the New Testament, that just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And I want to tell you that because of that story, because of what God did, those people not only began to worship uh, uh, the high places and the groves and the images, they began to worship that uh, stick, if I could use that term, that, that, that serpent. They began to worship it. And so what did Hezekiah have to do? He had to totally, completely remove it. I want us to look at the progression of what Hezekiah did. First of all, he removed the high place. Listen to me, church. Whatever it is that the sin that so easily besets us is, we have to remove it from our lives. We can't just say, oh, you know what, I'm going to put it over here. I'm not going to return to it, but I'm just going to put it over here. Or I'm just going to put it over there. Or, or maybe I'll hide it somewhere. Maybe I'll do this or that. No, the Bible says that we have to remove it from our lives. Not only did the Bible say he, re- that he removed it, but he broke the images so that they could no longer return. He broke them. He, he not only removed it, but he broke them. And then he cut down all the groves. The first weed eater in the Bible. I had to lighten the mood. You guys are like, (laughs) Uh, he cut down all the groves. And then not only that, he broke the brazen serpents. I want you to think about this for a moment. This is something that they had looked up to for years, that they had worshipped for years. And what did King Hezekiah come in and do? He took it and he broke it. Now, I'm going to tell you what I think. I think that King Hezekiah took that, that, that rod and that serpent that they lifted up in the wilderness, and I think he broke it in front of everybody. As a sense of, listen, we are no longer going to be a part of this. We are no longer going to indulge ourselves in this. No, we are going to do what God has told us to do. And that's what Hezekiah did. Whatever it takes in our lives, we needed to determine To remove the high place in our life. King Hezekiah is a great example for us to follow in our lives. If we want to have victory over our high place, then we have to do it. We just can't hide it. Why is it important? Because it's possible. Number two, because it can eventually lead us to forsake God. It can eventually lead us to forsake God. Now, you say, Pastor... You're you're talking to people that are in church this morning. I I don't understand how you could say that it could eventually lead us to forsake God. I, I know that you're not used to me preaching like this, but my heart is really, really heavy. You say, Pastor, how can it eventually lead us to forsake God? Because I'm afraid church has become a social club. You say, Pastor, we're here on Sunday morning, we're listening to the worship, and we're listening to the preaching. Yeah, but I'm afraid. That the listening has become... we become so hard to it. We've become so hard to the preaching of the Word of God. We've become so hard to God speaking to us that literally church is nothing more than a hug and a kiss on the cheek and a few moments that we spend on a Sunday morning. And I believe with all my heart that we have churches all across America that, were, uh, uh, that are filled with people that have just forsaken God. And I'm telling you this morning, church... We do not need to be that kind of church. We need to be a church that when people see us, because we are the church, this sign out there that says North Point Baptist Church is not the church. This building that we meet in is not the church. We are the church. And when people see us, they need to see us uh, as passionate, as God-fearing people. It can lead us to eventually forsaking God. 2 Chronicles tells us, we read this a moment ago, but I want to see it again. Now after the death of Jehoda came the princes of Judah and made obeisance to the king. Then the king hearkened unto them. He gave in to them and they left the house of the Lord their God. They left it of their fathers and they served the groves and the idols. The Bible says wrath came upon them. We see in this passage of scripture that they left the house of the Lord and they forsook God. If we're not cautious, our high places can cause us to eventually lead us to forsaking God. I read this story, and I thought it was so relevant. There's a contest held every year which tests students' ability to identify weeds and the right chemical to kill them and and to diagnose uh, herbicide failure. The head of the contest, James Worthington, said of the students, this is what he said, They need to be able to recognize weeds when they are tiny. Because when they get big enough that everyone can recognize them, it's too late to do anything about them. Can I tell you something this morning? That's exactly the way sin is. We need to be able to recognize it in our lives. Because by the time it's recognizable by all of those around us, it may be too late. What a perfect analogy of the high places in our lives. We too need to be able to recognize them prior to them taking over our lives completely. Number two, and this is where it gets real personal. How do we get how do these high places get established in our lives? You know many of you this morning, and by the way, I, I'm preaching from this, this very brand new stage all the way back, because it starts right here with me, and I, I'm just being real truthful with you. There's many times that I begin to wonder in my life, how did this get started? How did it happen? How did I allow this to get into my life? And now that it's so big in my life, and I'm not even sure how to overcome it, but where did it start? How did it start? First of all, there are some habits that are established before our salvation. Now, I'm going to be honest with you this morning. Yes, when we got saved, God uh, saved us. He changed us. We cannot be unsaved ever again. God God has sealed us. We are in the hand of him. But can I tell you something this morning? We're still all flesh. We still have desires. We still have uh, 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 the enemy that is trying to discourage us and defeat us. And there are habits that we all had that, that we established before we were ever saved. And that's how sometimes high places get established in our lives. The Bible says in 1 Kings chapter 3 and verse number 2, only the people sacrificed in high places. Why? Because there was no house built unto the name of the Lord until those days. Some people, that's all they knew. They only knew how to sacrifice to the, to the uh, incense and to the altars and to the groves because there was no house of the Lord built. Some of you here this morning are, are, are facing struggles in your life and things in your life that were there before you ever got saved. You say, Pastor, I don't think I could ever get the victory over them. Can I tell you something this morning? Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Prior to our salvation, we formed habits that were not pleasing to the Lord. There is absolutely nothing that we can do to change our past. There is nothing that we can do to change our past. Do you hear me this morning? Let me say it again. There is nothing that we can do to change our past. I've heard people say over and over, boy, I wish that that I was raised in a Christian home like you were, pastor. Or I wish that I was in church all my life like you were, pastor. Boy, I wish that I had the opportunities that you had, pastor. I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish. Stop wishing. You can't change your past. Boy, if I could stand up here and open up the book of my past, there are some lots of things that I wish I could change. But I can't. However, listen to me, because of my past, I am where I am. Because of my past, God's got me to where he wants me. I can do nothing about my past, but I can do everything about my future if I let go of my past. You got to let it go. The Bible says 1 John chapter 5 and verse number 1. For whatsoever is born of God, what? Overcometh the world. If you're here today and you are born of God, you can overcome the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our, what's the next word? Wow. If we only understood that word. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter number 11, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Listen to me, church. It is our faith that helps us to overcome. How do these high places get established? Some were established before we were ever saved. Secondly of all, some of them were established by the way that we were raised. I had the opportunity to grow up in a Christian home. As a matter of fact, I I have not had the opportunity to talk to my parents in several weeks through different circumstances. But this morning, out of nowhere, I'm sitting in my office and I'm praying and my phone goes off. And it's my dad. It was a text. This is all it said. He didn't. He didn't know what's going on here. We haven't talked. This is what he said. Hey son, I just want you to know that I'm praying for you today. I don't know why, but I'm praying for you today, and I'm proud of you. I love you, Dad. Not everybody has that opportunity and that privilege. Not everybody has a dad like my dad. Let me tell you something about my dad. My dad made a lot of bad decisions in his life. My my dad made decisions in his life that changed his whole course. But because my dad decided that the cycle of life was going to stop with him, I am who I am today. Look at me, church. Stop blaming people for your high places, stop blaming your family. Stop blaming the way that you were raised. Stop blaming the fact that you didn't have the opportunities that everybody else had. Stop blaming the fact that that I can't be who I want to be because of this weight and because of my family and because of the way that I was raised. And, And pastor, you don't know the history of my family. Listen to me, church. Rahab was a harlot and the Bible says that she's in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. There is no excuse to blame your failures on anybody else. You have to take responsibility for who you are today. And you have to decide that I'm going to change because of it. So many times these high places get established in our lives because of our forefathers. Naturally, reform happens from our parents, whether they are positive or negative. We do not have a choice of our family. We do not have a choice of our name. But we do have a choice in the way that we live our lives. I've had so many people over the years of being in ministry that have come and sat in my office and said, Pastor, I'm addicted to this because it was always in my home. Pastor, I'm a part of this because it was always a part of my home. And they've let that crutch of their home be their excuse and their justification for being involved in the high place that they're involved with. The Bible says that you are without excuse. Don't blame others. Make the decision that today I'm going to stop hanging on to my past and to what has affected me because of my family and decide to make a change. Thirdly, through outside influences, those that we hang around, those that we associate with can cause high places in our lives. I remember being a little boy, six or seven years old. And I was sitting in a children's church class, much like what's going on over in our A building. And for the first time in my life, I had never seen this. And you know the example I'm going to give once I start. This lady brought in a fruit basket. And she had a bunch of red apples. And they looked really good. Everything about them looked good. And then she had this rotten apple. I mean, it had stuff crawling all over it. And she stuck it in the middle of that fruit basket. This is what she said. When we come back next week, we're going to find out if all these good apples made this bad apple good. And I thought, cool. Cool. Now I had a little inside track because my dad had a key to the church. So I went home and I said, "Dad, they put this bad apple in the midst of all these apples, and the teacher said we're going to see if that bad apple or that all those good apples can make that bad apple good." My dad did the same thing that you just did. He laughed, and I thought, "What's so funny?" Wednesday came around. It was church day. We go to church. I said to dad, dad, I got to go see my class before I go to my other class. He said, why? I got to check on the apple, dad. He said, all right. We get in there. They had closed the door. When we walked in, there were things buzzing all around us. And I looked at that basket, and there was only one good apple left. Now let me tell you what my dad said. He said, Lee, get the good apple and eat it. And I said, No way. (laughs) No way. You say, Pastor, what's the what's the point? If you don't surround yourself with good people, you're gonna end up rotten. It's our influence. You say, Pastor, I can't help without who I work with. I understand that. I understand that. But you can help where you go with them. Pastor, I can't help who my family is. That's true. But you certainly can be an example to them. Pastor, I can't. I understand that. But many times in our lives, high places get established because of outside influences. Second Kings chapter number 17, verse number 11. And there they burn incense in all the high places, as did the who? Heathen, whom the Lord carried away before them and wrought wicked things to provoke the Lord to anger. We have to be cautious in our choice of friendships and acquaintances because of the influence that they may have in our lives. Do not allow others to dictate your life. I heard somebody say it this way. Don't let someone else write your story. You write your own story. Dr. Ralph Stockman, or excuse me, Stockman, writes about an experience he had while standing on the edge of Niagara Falls. He says this. He he was there on one clear and cold March day. Wrapped in white garments, the falls glistened in the bright sun. As some birds swooped down to snatch a drink from clear water, Sockman's companion told how he had seen birds carried over the edge of the cliff while they were sinking down to get some water. As they dipped down, the birds did for a drink, tiny droplets of ice would form on their wings. As they returned for additional drinks, more ice would weigh them down until they couldn't rise above the cascading waters. Flapping their wings, the birds would suddenly trap over the falls. This is exactly the way sin is in our lives. It starts out small, but it will eventually weigh us down and ruin us. You say, Pastor, this has not been an exciting sermon so far. Can I tell you something? This is the other problem. And you know that how I feel is that many times we get told what not to do. We get told from the word of God how that we should abstain and how we shouldn't do. But we never get told how to do it. Today, if you could just, for the next couple of minutes, I want to share with you from the word of God how we can overcome these high places in our lives how do we break them down you say pastor it's not easy listen to me church i know it's not easy it is not easy to overcome them but it certainly is possible first of all the first thing that we have to do is we have to acknowledge the problem i think this is probably the most difficult part of it is saying yes i have a problem not to a group of people Not to the whole world, but to yourself, saying, I have a problem. I have a high place in my life. And if you're here this morning from the person that is stating all of this to the back of this room, can I tell you something this morning? We all have high places in our lives, whether we want to admit it or not. It's time that we acknowledge them. The Bible says in 2, Corinthians, or excuse me, 2 Kings 12, verse number 3, but the high places were not taken away, so the people still sacrificed and burnt incense. King Joash did not even realize he had a problem until it was too late. In our lives, sometimes we try to ignore the problems. We want to persuade ourselves that there is no problem. However, we need to acknowledge the problem and face it honestly and straightforward. Not only do we need to acknowledge it, but second of all, we need to restrict the possibility. We need to restrict the possibility. The word restrict means to keep within the limits. We have to keep ourselves out of the reach of the high place. I have three children. There's a word in my house that we have to use often. You're on restriction. Or go to your room. Dad will be there in a minute. Right? Why do we implement restrictions in our home? Why do we do it? To refocus. Because what's happened is is we've gotten our focus on something other than what we're supposed to be doing. So we restrict any possibilities of anything hindering us from getting off track. Can I tell you this morning that whatever your high place is in your life, and I don't know what it is, but whatever it is, you have to restrict the possibility of getting involved in it again. You have to restrict it. The Bible says in James chapter 4 and verse number 7, Submit yourselves therefore to God. What's the next word? Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. But first we have to submit and then resist. I believe personally in the replacement theory. I think that if you have a high place in your life in order to remove it, you have to replace it with something. You say, is that biblical? I'm glad you asked. 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse number 22. Flee also what? Youthful lust. So, if he would have stopped there, we'd have been like, okay, we're going to flee. But where are we going to go to? How are we going to flee from it? Then he tells us, but follow, you tell me, righteousness, faith, charity, peace, with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. That's right. Replacement. How do I replace the youthful lust in my life? I replace it with a whole lot of things righteousness, faith, charity, peace, all those things. It's a replacement. So whatever the high place is in your life, it's time that you find a way to replace it with something that is acceptable in the Lord's sight. Let us see. We have to assume responsibility. We have to assume responsibility for our actions. The first thing that we have to do is we have to control our thoughts. Our mind is the most dangerous tool that we have. We have to control our thoughts. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Secondly of all, we have to center our thoughts. We have to center our thoughts. We have to get our thoughts focused. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 13, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Center your thoughts. And then thirdly, we have to captivate our thoughts. We have to captivate our thoughts. I love this, ber- this verse in the book of Psalms. The Bible says, Psalm 19 verse 14, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be what? Acceptable in thy sight. Oh, Lord, my strength and my redeemer. It's a refocus. Letter D, we have to memorize scripture. We have to memorize scripture because we have to be able to defeat the enemy. The Bible says in Psalm 119, 11, you know it. Thy word have I hid in heart that I might not what? Sin against thee. Memorizing verses that pertain to our high place. And then we have to pray daily about it. We will never pray daily about it until we admit that we have it. Ephesians 6.18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching therein too with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. I'm going to close with this. J. Alistair Brown, he tells a story of him walking through a park. And he said, I passed a massive oak tree. A vine had grown up along its trunk. The vine started small, nothing to bother about. But over the years, the vine had gotten taller and taller. By the time I passed, the entire lower half of the tree was covered by the vines and he calls them creepers. The mass of tiny feelers was so thick that the tree looked as though it had innumerable birds' nests in it. Now, the tree was in danger. This huge, solid oak was quite literally being taken over. The life was being squeezed out of it. However, the gardeners in the park noticed and had seen the danger to this beautiful oak tree. They had taken a saw and they had severed. The trunk of the vine. One neat cut across the middle. The tangled mass of the vine's branches still clung to the oak, but the vine was now dead. That would gradually become plain as weeks passed and the creepers began to die and fall away from the tree. And then he says this. How easy it is for sin which begins so small and seemingly insignificant, to grow until it has a strangling grip on our lives. And yet, Christ's death has cut the power of sin. Yes, the creepers of sin still cling and have some effect, but sin's power is severed by Christ, and gradually sin's grip dries up. And falls away. Could I ask you this morning, are you ready to experience revival in your life? If you are, we have to break down the high places. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I know that this is not.